when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cheese and pickle. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Rejoining me today for part two of her excellent episode on the Box of Delights is the journalist Sophie Harris. Magical stuff starts happening. Cole Hawlings disappears into a painting with a donkey. Um, there's like a weird medieval fort with a battle. There and is. Hearn the Hunter Hearn turns the up. Hunter and animation the where they're, where they're running. Deers and, and, then they're, and then they're flying in the sky. And there are all these predators. So yeah. there's, there's an eagle preying on them when they're flying in the sky. Yeah. Ducks and then they plunge into the, the water. And also, what's lovely about it is the incidental music yeah. throughout <gasps> is BBC Radiophonic Workshop. It's Roger Limb. It's Roger Limb. And my husband knows a young man called Jeremy Lim. Do you know Jeremy Lim? Is that Roger Lim's yeah. son? And obviously he's the most insanely brilliant musician. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, when we went to a uh, Radiophonic Workshop gig and I just sat there watching. How did I miss that? I know, it was a couple of years ago at the World oh. Festival Hall and Rog, just watching Roger Lim playing. I don't think he did any Box of Delights, but they, obviously they did Doctor Who. That took the roof off. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. Just that these are the names on credits that we grew up with and they created... In this, he creates actual magic. Wow. Yeah, he does. So he really exciting. does. Um, and I think that in order to get all of the, well, it's the visual effects, actually, they were wheeling some of the video processing type units from Match of the Day. They had to nick one from. <gasps> wow. And, and I think one from Top of the Pops as Amazing. well. So they were using all the, the Beeb equipment. That's so cool. But yeah, the, so, so you have this amazing incidental music, but then you also have the theme tune. Now, the theme oh. tune... We know it wasn't written especially for Box of no, Delights. No. It was actually written by Victor Healy Hutchinson from a symphony that he did. Yeah, it's like a suite of carols, symphony. right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that was from... Was that from the 30s that it I was written? I think it's old, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was performed, the version that's used for Box of Delights, mm. in, I think, the 60s. Uh-huh. I think it's a recording from the 60s. I think you... we have that LP... Yes, because my, my very kind husband knew that would be the best thing he could ever give me for Christmas. A I just years requested ago, so. it from him indoors, actually. Oh, well, well, I don't. I don't. Presumably, you just have to trawl. You know, do you uh, have it on the vinyl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. 
Oh yeah, no, it, my Christmas tree, it's too early now. This is, we're recording in late November. My tree's already up because sod it, everything's cold and wet and miserable and stuff it. And while I'm decorating the tree, I pop the platter oh, on and it's just lovely. absolutely magical. And I do, I found a wolf bauble that <gasps> looks exactly like the one in the opening title of the Box of Delights. You know, when the kind of the darkness is gathering around yes. it and the face turns to wolf. And I've actually got that hanging on one of the branches and it's just, it looks amazing. It looks like the opening title. Absolutely. Not that I'm obsessed or weird. <laughs> but that music is, so it's based around the first Noel. Yeah. And and it's sort of lots of interwoven layers and when the strings oh come God, in. Oh, And beautiful. it's the, the spookification of it. Yeah. You know, to make a Christmas carol spooky. I know, it's incredible, isn't it's it? It's a strange and wonderful thing. And yeah. actually, in terms of the darkness and the menace of Box of Delights, I remember showing it to some, some mates of mine in New York when I used to live there. Oh, wow, brilliant. And... Um, and this particular friend is a musician and she's recorded with, you know, Steve Albini and wow. she's mates with Will Oldham and all these sort of very dark, you know, types. Yeah. And there's a sort of old-fashioned gothic element to some of her music. Mm. So she's, no, she's not easily spooked. And I remember showing her Box of Delights and her and her partner going, Jesus Christ! <laughs> they show the the kids. Sort of wolf and the, you know, and Punch and Judy wolves. It's like yeah. all of those it, perfect spooky notes. It is the baddie in the box was like he's the worst of humanity. He's greed and he's no empathy and it's a, he's a genuinely frightening character. He is. He not is. just to children. And it's the charm. It's all. It's sort of the seven deadly sins wrapped up in <laughs> yes. this sort of oddly charming yeah. package. And so they have to basically they have to solve. Well, it's not so much a mystery as a, as a threat. The baddies are trying to get hold of the Box of Delight yeah. because they will do bad things exactly. with it. And um, in their pursuit of it, they're scrobbling people who are getting in their way. Now, let's talk about the language. Scrobbling. <laughs> Had you ever heard that word before no. or since? No, I don't think I have, actually, no. D- so, d- to define it, to scrobble... Isn't that basically abduction <laughs> by any abduction. other name? They scrobbled yeah. him. So they scrobble the dear old man one wintry yes, morning they from do. the snow and, and fly away in a... In and a he know this is coming and that's when they have a car that turns into a plane which Mm -hmm. is also the best thing that's ever happened on TV I got so excited about that and they scrobble I think one or both of the other children as well Uh, Mariah definitely gets scrobbled at some point and takes it all she gets very angry she's not scared she's just blumming well fed up thanks brilliant yeah Yeah, my favourite female role model from that time but yes they're basically trying to get hold of the bots to do evil things with it and there's definitely a deadline of Christmas Eve midnight isn't there there is because there's going to be this concert and it's the thousandth ever that's right midnight mass yeah. at the local church and the old man says he'll be there to do his thing yep so so the peril is in place there's a clock ticking and these meddling children keep getting in their way. The peril is in place. It's, it's brilliant. true. But along the way, all this magical stuff happens. And those, I mean, honestly, we, we joke about the, you know, some of the special effects, the kind of flying and things. It does look a little bit sort of placed on top of, you know, sort of like a, a bad animation. Sure. Now. But there's some really beautiful sequences. The Hearn the Hunter stuff in the forest. Mm. There's some absolutely magical visual set pieces where and it's usually when the box is opened and you see yeah. wonders inside. And it's so it's so imaginatively done. So uh, I don't think I'd ever watched anything like that on TV before where they messed with forms. They didn't just show yeah. you a drama. They showed you animation, dream sequences. Yeah. And I sort beautiful. of, I think, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in this in, in my loathing of by the book CGI. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to be said for absolutely 
pushing the limits in any given time. Yeah. And with this animation and the and overlaying things and you know, sure it might look a little bit cut and paste to us now. Yeah. But I think you can there's something of the spirit in which it's done that's fundamentally more convincing than some by yeah. the book CGI. Yeah, because it plugs into a sort of a feeling and a mood rather than, well, that didn't look exactly like a boy flying through a sewer when he was only three inches tall. So yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it takes you somewhere. Yeah. And, and, but then weirdly, like if it had been perfectly done on CGI, mm. I feel like I might have believed it less. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how and why that works. It's but, not but what it you're does. asking for, I think. When, you, when you're trying to conjure magic visually then well, it's, just, it's, it's any art isn't it like you can you know the kind of paintings my mum like oh well that looks like the photo that that's not necessarily the best art is it it's just it's something that, yeah. that, that stirs within you yeah the feelings well and also it's sort of something about the uncanny as well yeah. isn't it? because it's like stop frame animation you know it's slightly spooky because yeah. it is the real thing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and then that also the other wonderful thing about Box of Delights is how dark it is yeah and there and I think in the 80s at that time, and for us as, as kids, there was a lot of really dark storytelling. Oh, God, you yeah. You know, like, even if it was drama-rama... I loved drama-rama. You know, or some strange... There were some weird Australian dark children's <laughs> TV <laughs> dramas around Not around the time. twist, that was a comedy, wasn't it? But no. they did... Yeah, there, were, there were some odd stuff about... There was. That sort of taps into... What, I mean, you know, childhood is a time of... There's lots of good things about it, but also, you know, nightmares and the yeah. world seeming quite frightening. Again, coming back to this thing about the world seeming so big and so sort of full of uncertainties and you know you don't have agency you're a child like that's mm, a frightening mm. thing and then I suppose part of the reason that we loved things like Box of Delights is it returns agency to you it says yeah. the future of the you know the safety of the world yeah. is all in the your kids, hands yeah they have to child. do it exactly and I mean arguably politically would be better off with little kids <laughs> sorting God, it all out yes. right like, like to hand over the, the keys to well all of the western world's powers to Greta Thunberg and just let her get on with it. Yes, absolutely. Although, you know, that's a lot to ask of one small woman. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we wouldn't have the situation we're in now. So have you gone back and watched The Box of Delights as an adult a lot or is it just something you prefer to remember? I think it's probably been in the past five or six years yeah. especially because as I say when I was living in the States which I loved but there were things about England that I really oh, yeah. missed and when I realised I could just re-watch the whole thing on YouTube yeah. I'd started doing that and so now I've been re-watching it every year since then yeah, basically because yeah. there are people who watch it every year and it's, it's I think specifically the dates that it went out Originally, so it was it was shown in the run up to Christmas '84, I think, so yeah. like November, December, and I think there are people who still watch it now, and maybe even tweet about it, who start it on that evening. They all watch it together. Actually, it's just a lovely thing. It's a, a good thing the internet can do now. It's like just bring us all back together, yeah, around the kind of you know the TV with the mahogany surround in your front room. It's really sweet, and not even a remote control in those oh, days. Oh God, no! Do you know? I remember when I finally did. I think I was I was like almost leaving home. I was about nineteen, still living at home, and um, I finally. I finally uh, got a TV in my bedroom. I wasn't allowed one, but they considered me sort of an adult then. I wow. suppose you can have a TV. So I had one with like push buttons on the front mm -hmm. and I just got a really long cane, garden cane from the shed. Remote <gasps> control. Da -dun, da -dun. It was amazing. It changed I my life. I that you did that. I used to dream of a remote control for my clock radio alarm yeah, clock of, yeah. a, of a long pushy. Wow. <laughs> always thinking, always thinking. Do you know, I love that because it's like, you know, you can tell what someone's career is going to be by what they're like as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there we go. Yeah. Mm. I was told I watched too much TV. 
Well, they're not laughing now. No, they're not laughing now. But no, it's true. Uh, sometimes that's not a bad thing. Are you still watching it now in the run up to Christmas or are you bodied out? Uh, no, I, I do. I do still watch it, but not every year. And I don't I don't strictly stick to the timetable. But when I start to feel festive, I usually find myself watching an episode. <laughs> when yeah. I start to feel yeah, festive. Yeah, which is usually about August. Yeah. Yeah. But you've seen the, the stage production, right? Yeah. How so was it? It was actually really, really lovely. So Piers Torday did an adaptation that was on a, a place called Wilton's Music Hall in London, which is a magical yeah. place. It's a, oh. It kind of looks a bit tumble down. It's a very, very old musical, sort of near Whopping. Ooh. And um, it's sort of tucked away down a side street and it's it, obviously it's just about standing up uh, but it looks shredded and, and old and peeling paint and Perfect. it's amazing and they, they rent it out as a filming venue and a wedding venue it looks incredible when you put fairy lights everywhere it's just amazing but they did it there and it was genuinely really sort of you know it was it's cold in there it was winter obviously running up to Christmas about two years ago I think we saw it and um, I think Matthew Kelly was playing Cole Hawlings no and he was fantastic of course he was but the way they've done this adaptation he had to play Cole and Abner so they had to double up. Um, so lots wow. of lots of the cast had to play two parts. Can you imagine going from mm. Cole to Abner? I know, I'm a bit schizophrenia. It must yeah. be very, very difficult. But he, he did a brilliant job. It was a proper spooky Christmas show and it's a, li- a little a little panto element because of the baddies and the goodies and the- but it was it was yeah genuinely magical I took my son who then must have been about eight and he really loved it and did they use the music was it did you feel like it was more based on the TV show than the book I don't I couldn't really I haven't I have to say I haven't read the book in mm-hmm. a long long time so um, they, they did use the music I think they knew is ex- sort of expected it's like when um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that fella Adam Buxton's mate when he made um, the film mm-hmm. which I was a bogling nun in thank you fans we went to see it and uh, did you not know this story? Sorry, <laughs> you just observed a... my jaw <laughs> dropping. You can't just drop that Sorry. into a sentence. I was, oh, I've probably mentioned this already a in a podcast. Yes, I did. I so, can't even bogle. Well, I mean, I, tr- I tried. I, mean, I, I don't know if I was effective. But no, um, uh, I used to be film extra. When I first started journalism freelance, I was earning no money. So to make a few extra quid, signed up with an agency and got a few extra jobs. And one of the jobs I had was to be at the party in Islington where Trillian meets Arthur. Yeah. And yeah, so it was a costume party, so we were all dressed as different things. So I was dressed as a nun, and I was bogling. And and then uh, it was Zoe Deschanel and um, sorry, Martin Freeman, the incredibly famous film and television yeah. actor. Uh, yeah, so it was their kind of scene where they got the meet cute, and I was I was a bogling nun. Wow! But in uh, the, we went so we went to the press screening of that, and everyone hadn't seen it, and it was kind of like tension, or now they are going to cock it up. And obviously, lots of people didn't like that film. I quite liked it, but I'm probably biased. I never watched it because but, I loved the radio and television. Well, no, exactly. But when the music kicked in over the opening titles, Mm. it was like this wave of yes, because sometimes that, you know, the music is just so powerful that you you can't disassociate it from the thing. And and you know, you know who's getting the royalties for that music, don't you? Who? The Eagles. Oh, of course. Right. Isn't it mad? I know, it's completely crazy. And also, I love that at the beginning and and the end, it's the same tune, but with a different tempo. What a cool thing to do. It is very, very cool. But back, sorry, Back yeah. to Christmas, back to the box of lights. So Roger Lim's music, and we've, we've, we've mentioned it, but Roger Lim did, I don't know what he did. He did something that created not just sort of like the magic, but there was like a, I don't know. It's, it does a magic trick itself, the music. There's a warmth to it. There's a reassuringness. That's not a word, Sophie. Um, there's a reassuringness to it. 
that a doesn't reassuring quality. Well, yeah, which is already oh my god, you so lived in America. But, but but it's sort of overlaid by oh my god, it's really sinister and I'm, something terrible is going to happen. I don't know quite Absolutely. how he's done it. Actually, there's a lovely quote about his incidental music, which is saying that his it, it adds to the heady mix of ancient and modern, of reality and fantasy, mm. and builds on the atmosphere we're prepared for as viewers by one of the best choices of theme music in the history of British TV. I mean, it is. Name me a better. Name me a better one. I think what he does is, as with the theme music, it's floating a rather sinister, faint note, sort of droning yeah. across the top yeah. before you then weave in the, the, you know, the supposedly jolly thing. Yeah, and there's a very thin. I think at the end of the opening titles, and I'm not sure if there's like a reworking of the Healy Hutchinson, but there's like a a single, quite high, yeah. minor key note just at the end that continues beyond the when the rest of the instruments have died away. It's a yeah, just, and then go, you have the, the weaving harp. The doo, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously, so if you've heard the theme tune, you have because you're listening to this podcast. The theme tune. I love I, your. I've never, your I've never credited version. my husband. So obviously that's me on recorder. But uh, no, my husband arranged that. He's a he's a clever old thing. He was in a band called Candidate. He's awfully good. You should check them out. Really They're on Spotify is. and stuff. But uh, yeah, he just uh, in his little home studio put. I, I basically said I want it to sound like a school orchestra with like you know the, the xylophones in boxes. You ever have those at school and mm-hmm. the recorders and the the, the, the tambourines and things. Can you can you just make it sound like that? And he just did. So Joel Morris, thank you for the theme tune. It was so the, the squawkestra. Exactly. So are you going to watch Box of Delights again this Christmas? I am, but I, I'm going to pause for a couple of weeks because my festive mood hasn't hit. I, Has I feel, it not? No, my festive mm. mood begins when I open the first window on the advent calendar. Fair enough. Side note, not a chocolate advent calendar. No. Card with glitter and oh. a nice little picture. Just pictures? Yeah. Pictures never, you can't eat? <laughs> no, but I don't like the chalky in, in advent calendars. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It always tastes a bit weird. It's never that good. This yeah. this year's the first year, obviously, just, uh, you know, massive guilt over any kind of packaging that I've got, like, like, you know, a wooden one with drawers. Ooh. And I've just got nice chocolate coins and things for my... This is my son, obviously. I will try and steal them from him because, you know, they look good. But, yeah, I filled the drawers with those and I'm going to make my husband write a joke for every day to put in there. Oh! <laughs> because I'm not doing the hard work. You're a festive goddess. <laughs> I, I just like... I like Christmas a lot. When I was a little kid, we once in PE... You know, in PE, it's not really, like, actual fitness when you're oh, little. It's yeah, just yeah, running yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. There was a mat in each corner of the hall, which was one, which was the seasons. And all the kids were in the middle. And they said, OK, when I say go, you run to your favourite season. Ah. And I was thinking, being a Christmas Eve baby, oh, I don't know if there's room on that mat for all us winter people. <laughs> go! <laughs> and I pegged it to the winter mat and I was on my own. Oh, Sophie! <laughs> Oh, so. But it's a magical time. It is a magical time. I know I'm just, you know, I, I don't understand people who don't see the joy in, you know, when it's horrible outside, drawing the curtains and lighting a fire and some twinkly lights on a tree and maybe a mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. I'm Scandinavian is what I'm basically saying. I should have been born Scandinavian. The hugger is strong in you. <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Hugger. Hugger. Sounds more like a martial art when you say it like that. I think it was hugger. Hugger. I like that. Sophie, thank you for bringing the box of delights at last. Someone's finally done it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I feel very privileged. Hooray. Thanks for having me. Before you go, mm. would you please reach into this box of delights and <gasps> pick a question to answer? Okay. Oh, with a little special logo on it. See, everyone loves the cards. <laughs> Who is your Sherlock? Oh, it's Jeremy Brett. Oh, I see, mine too. Songs do. And actually, I feel there's a bit of a crossover with Brett 
and Abner. Abner. Oh my God, they're With the same the profile. Slicked hair and the nose and the mild menace. Yeah, the Menace. Yeah, now, he was a humorless Holmes. He just had a very poker face. He did, and yet also something a little bit magical. Yeah, menace mystery magic. That's true. Who doesn't want a bit of that? Mm, yes, please, mm. Sophie. Thank you, and Merry Christmas, and goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>